Hey guys, it's Ed, and I'm coming to you live from quarantine here in Detroit. And, oh my god, like, I thought I would be able to take some time off and, you know, go on hiatus, but no, I'm not allowed to go on hiatus. Like, all of a sudden, all these celebrities are acting a fool. And, you know, when they act a fool, I have to come to you guys with all this shit, so... Um, I want to give a special shout out to Courtney and Derek. I know you both are listening, so hey! Um, and as you know, as always, Will will we'll be joining us remotely for Politalk at the end of the show. Alright, so in the last episode, we I brought you breaking news about Tamara Braxton. She was found in her hotel room uh, unresponsive. And she was rushed to a uh, L.A. hospital. And people were really concerned. Um, rumors of a possible suicide attempt uh, started percolating right away. Her boyfriend did nothing to uh, soothe uh, those concerns. Um, and... He kept promoting their YouTube show for some reason, saying that they had such a spectacular episode planned. And it was just very odd. Like, just the whole thing was really, really bizarre. So, I did what I always do when I talked. And that's what you guys pay me for, right? Because <laughs> you want to hear me talk. So... I talked to my source in in L.A., and he was already on it because he knew I was going to be asking. And here's what we found out. Tamara has a new album coming out um, within a couple of months. And ever since she left The Real, people have viewed her as a villain, as... A diva. And instead of embracing that image and uh, running with it like uh, so many before her have, Tamara decided that she had to be different. She wanted to be the heroine. And after seeing the success Demi Lovato has had, by opening up about her struggles, um, and the and the press that Demi Lovato got when she had her overdose, uh, I believe it was almost a year ago. Uh, maybe it was almost two years ago now. Um, but when, but remember, like, there was all that positive, um, all that positivity, and the outpouring of love. Um, that Demi got, Tamara wanted some of that for herself. And so cooked up this scheme to uh, make people think that something bad had happened. And according to my source, who uh, has talked with people within the Braxton camp... Uh, no one was really on board with this. Um, some of her sisters 
I have reluctantly gone along with it because it was something that Tamar really felt strongly about. But this was not something that they felt um, was appropriate or even good for uh, the image of the family as a whole. Uh, I asked him about what Tony thought because y'all know I love my Tony Braxton. Like, if I could just hang out with her and have her sing on Break My Heart, I'd be good. Um, Alright, so maybe I need a chocolate martini too, but you know what I mean. Um, so, um, he didn't know exactly where Tony fell, um, though he suspected after having worked and met with uh, with her uh, many times during his career that she would more than likely be on the opposite end. Um, as you all know, Tony has faced her own problems. Uh, you know, she went bankrupt several times. Uh, and then when she was with Birdman... Uh, a lot of people didn't approve, and she she actually just leaned more into, I'm going to do what I want to do. Um, so she was really for just leaning more into the diva image uh, and running with that. So, as far as what happens now with tomorrow, um, look for... Her to be in the hospital for a little bit longer. Um, and then after, he he said it seems like her camp is trying to um, get her into rehab. Or at least the appearance of her going to rehab. Um, it will keep her out of... Um, it will keep her in the press. Um, but she won't be visible. And then when she exits rehab, um, there's expected to be a lot of pent up, um, a lot of pent up, uh, desire for her to do an interview, uh, and which will result in massive ratings, which they are believing will result in a bigger, um, first week sales for her album. Now, um, and this was a long discussion and I'm in, um, that I'm including um, just bits and pieces of because I think it's really important. I, first of all, I don't agree with this publicity stunt at all. Um, clearly, there are people out there who do have mental health issues who are not getting the help that they need. Um, and this kind of makes a mockery of it. But... Um, Putting aside my personal feelings, from a business standpoint, this almost seems uh, like a publicist's dream come true. Um, So far this year, uh, the biggest album drops have come from Lady Gaga, who is really the gold standard of selling albums. Uh, And we couldn't think of anyone else who really sold that many like this has not been a good year for music of course it's not been a good year for anyone or anything (laughs) Um, except for maybe book sales but that's a whole different segment 
Um, uh, which we will get to, actually, so. Um, but yeah, you know, even though Lady Gaga is, like, the ultimate achievement here, um, I think Tamara really thinks of herself as being, um, a bigger star than Gaga. And y'all can debate that amongst yourselves. Don't at me, because I will never agree with you. There's only one Brexton who's the star, and that is Tony. Alright, I'm going to keep on top of the story as always. But for right now, I'm going to take a break. And I will be right back. And I'm back. So, have you ever wanted to sue your employer or a potential employer? Because you didn't feel like they didn't... um, offer you a fair wage or offer you uh, what you think you're worth. Yeah, y'all know where this is going. We're talking about Monique here. Okay, so let's just get this out of the way because I say this every time we talk about Monique and I just really feel like um, it's exceptionally important for me to get out um, before we get into the meat and potatoes of this thing. Monique is ruining her own career period. This is the end of the story. Netflix is where people are going right now because you don't have to have good numbers. You don't have to have, you don't have to go viral. You don't have to be the biggest or the best. All you have to do is show up. Aston Kutcher's The Ranch lasted um for almost a hundred episodes. It wasn't good. It wasn't even popular. It was just there. And he made tens of millions of dollars from it. Not because it's profitable. Not because they're going to be selling it into syndication. Simply because he produced episodes. Um, You know, I know a lot of people are upset with with them for canceling um, uh, the Drew Barrymore show. It, the name escapes me right now. Um, but it lasted three seasons. It wasn't insanely popular until it was canceled. Um, but, again, she made a lot of money just by showing up and, and making the show for her uh, for them. So Monique giving all upset and suing them is just, I mean, no one's going to want to work with her. No one already wanted to work with her. We'll get into the reasons why later. Um, But no one wants to work with her as it is. And they were willing to pay her a half million dollars to do a, a comedy special. I wish someone would offer me a half million dollars to do a comedy special. Hell, I wish someone would offer me five dollars to do one. <laughs> okay. So, as you know, um, Monique sued Netflix for racial and gender discrimination. Uh, Netflix immediately moved to have the case dismissed on the basis that Um, They've worked with black people, they've worked with women, and they've worked with black women. Uh, A judge 
denied this. Um, and said that Monique has more than enough evidence to prove that she um, that she can make her case. Now, does this mean it's going to go to trial or that Netflix is going to settle? Not necessarily. Um, what the judge's um, decision actually says is basically that he doesn't feel that Netflix entered into uh, fair negotiations. Uh, basically, it was a one or done offer. Uh, and I think what's going to come out is that even though it was a one and done, they're going to, um, it's going to turn out that Monique had some crazy demands. Um, I have a, I have our source working on it and he's already told me that, um, by her own admission, Monique knew she wasn't going to get what she wanted. So, her whole claim right now hinges on the fact that Netflix offered Amy Schumer $15 million to do a special. Um, Chris Rock, I believe, got $20 million. Um, and jo- Jerry Seinfeld got around the same amount of money. And she felt very insulted that they only offered her $500,000. Um, and there's a story that Amy Schumer told, um, that really piqued Monique's interest. Initially, they only offered Amy Schumer $2 million. And, um, Amy went back to them and said, you know, I, I think that I'm worth more than this, blah, blah, blah. And they ended up offering her um, the $15 million. Monique's, Monique's claim says um, they didn't bother trying to negotiate with her. Um, and basically she was told either take the $500,000 or, you know, it's not going to happen. Now... Here's where I think Netflix actually has a leg up on her. Monique is notoriously difficult. When she was in Precious, she refused to promote the movie because she was not paid. Now, mind you, she begged the studio for the role. She then... made it a point to argue with him because they weren't pushing her hard enough for the Best Supporting Actress Oscar. But she didn't want to do any of the legwork that went along with it, which would meant promoting the film, um, going to the festivals, and meeting with industry, um, industry types. Uh, and... Then she put Lee Daniels and Oprah and um, a lot of other really big names on blast uh, for allegedly blacklisting her and 
I'm going as far as to say that what they wanted her to do was slave labor. You know, and I'm all for someone getting paid. But if you're begging someone, if you're begging your partner in a movie um, to put you up for an award, and they're saying this is what you have to do to get it, and I just, I do need to say, um, then the movie studio actually denied that they told her she had to do it for free. Um, basically she was asking for a huge appearance fee and that's when they said no. They were putting her up in a hotel, they were giving her per diem and she was going to be getting, um, some sort of compensation um, for going to these events. And since then, her career has tanked. Uh, she had a late night talk show on BET, which was canceled because she was difficult. Uh, and she's not appeared in anything else. Um, so it appears as though she's desperate for money. And the lawsuit um, basically says that she should have been offered the same as Amy Schumer. The issue here is, well, yes, Monique is an Oscar winner. Her career had cooled significantly. Um, and she was not worth $15 million. Um, and I don't think anyone was going to ever offer her that much money. Speaking of offering people money, I need to go see if someone will take over and do this for me. <laughs> No, I tease. I am going to take a break, though, and I'll be right back. And I am back. And just so y'all know, this is the first of three political segments for me that I actually got Will to approve. Um, So, yay. Um, Now, y'all know he usually tells me that I'm not allowed to do politics because I go off on rants and I say fuck too much. Like, I've listened to Paula talk remotely. I know how many times he says that word. <laughs> and and I know y'all are going to at me and tell me to leave the poor, the poor man alone. But what about me? Where are my defenders? <laughs> this is where Derek and Courtney come in and defend my honor. <laughs> And they're both gonna they're both gonna message me and be like, nope, mm-mm. We're on both sides on this one. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Alright, so we've been talking about JK Rowling and the fallout from her transphobic tweets. Um a lot of her editors refused to work on her children's book, The Ichabod, uh, basically saying that they had strong opposition to what she was saying and they did not feel that she had a right to have a voice. The publisher pushed back a little bit and said, every person is entitled to free speech and uh, while you have a right to not work on a project because of its content, you do not have a right not to work on a project because of 
um, the author's views. Well, even as the fallout continues, we're starting to hear a little bit more of um, the consequences for Rowling's actions. There are some authors who are recording record high sales uh, during this pandemic. Um, Stephen King's latest um, is flying up the charts. Or uh, I should say opening cash registers because it is making money hand over fist. Um, Janet Evanovich, I've heard, is... um, her number series, the Stephanie Plum series, has seen a spike in sales over the last few months. Um, John Grisham has had quite um, a spike in his back catalog sales. Um, Mary Trump sold 950,000 copies of her book in its first week. Or, excuse me, not in its first week, in its first day. Uh, the book sold more than a million copies in its first week. Um, I've heard different estimates on that. Uh, I've heard it go as high as three million. But we're not talking about Mary Trump right now. Because that's Will's job. <laughs> what we are talking about is J.K. Rowling. And Rowling's um, sales have actually flagged and I when I say that I am not being facetious when I say the publisher is now scrambling Um, it's one thing when you have a team of rogue editors it's another when consumers stop buying the books Um, Harry Potter the beloved series that made Miss Rowling uh, a billionaire uh, have all but fallen out of the top ten um, for children's books. And now normally this would not be cause for concern given that um, there hasn't been a new book in more than ten years. However, given that the Harry Potter series has um, often been one source of profit for Scholastic, it is quite troubling for them to see um, a decline in sales. Uh, And uh, pre-sales for the Kabat are way below expectations and the um the noir thriller mystery series that she writes under that pseudonym have all but um disappeared uh, and if you don't remember the story behind that that's actually a really cool story So, after Harry Potter ended, she wanted to um, move into adult books. And her first one, A Casual Vacancy, 
just exploded to the top of the charts. Um, and is is considered a modern classic. But she was afraid that um, people only bought the book because of her name recognition. So she came up with the, a male pseudonym uh, and had the publisher signed an NDA saying that they would never disclose her name. Cuckoo's Calling came out and it failed to attract any attention. Um, sales were terrible for it, as they are for many people without name recognition. And one of the an employee, an employee's wife, I, um, an editor's wife, maybe I forgot who, uh, but found out that it was that the cuckoo's calling was actually by J.K. Rowling and told her reporter buddy, and the reporter buddy ended up publishing, and sales of the book went through the roof. Stunningly, um, J.K. Rowling never sued or enforced the NDA and has continued to publish that series, which has led some to theorize that um, she was behind uh, the leak herself. And really... If you had asked me this last year, I would have said, no, you're crazy. There's no way she would have ever done that. Now, I think it's definitely possible. And I don't know if that's the 2020 talking or um, if my opinion of J.K. Rowling is that she's really a (laughs) supervillain. Because you know when I'm disagreeing with J.K. Rowling and agreeing with Ann Coulter? There is a shit show happening. (laughs) All right, I'm going to take a break, and I will be right back. And I am back. Okay. So you all know that normally we would be um, talking about Megan McCain just before we went to Politalk. And this is obviously our favorite subject, so um, otherwise, why would I be bringing it up every single week, right? I mean... So, for those of you who um, haven't been watching The View, let me catch you up. Joy and Megan fight every single day. Like, literally every single day. (laughs) So, last week, um, they were getting into it a lot. um, With Whoopi several times threatening to send them to commercial to get them to stop. This is not the Elizabeth Hasselbeck, Rosie O'Donnell split-screen fight that we've seen all those years ago. Um, Whoopi's attempting to make this somewhat respectable, um, but it, it's been very difficult for her. Um, and our source gave us some of the low-down dirty details, which I know y'all love. 
Um, but first, <clears throat> one of the things I was so excited to tell you, and I, and I, I asked Will if it was okay if we talked about this um, during the Megan McCain segment, and he, in my mind, it was a very reluctant yes. Uh, but he would probably tell a very different story. Um, Barbara Fadera, um, remember, she's the producer, or the executive, rather, the ABC News executive, who um, made racist comments about um, Robin Roberts um, and Sonny Hostin. About Robin, she said that... um, she should be picking cotton. And about Sunny Hostin, she called her low rent. So, um, I told you a few weeks ago that our source told us that she was essentially already fired. And they were just waiting to make the announcement. But Whoopi made the announcement yesterday on The View. Um, and it, first of all, tell you like I've obviously had a lot of our scoops picked up in the mainstream media and there's a thrill each and every time I'm not gonna lie Um, but this time it was so much bigger because it was like validation on a whole new level um, that I'm breaking these stories left and right so all right. So, uh, with Megan and Joy, um, Megan has been in terrors forever. I told you guys that um, they've been talking about firing her for a long time. And it seems like every time they get close to she ends up pregnant. And the optics would not look good firing a pregnant woman from her job. So, um, they try to convene and figure out how, what, what the best way to do this is. Well, the producers and other few staff actually have a name, a nickname for Megan. <laughs> and Will maybe promise to tell you guys what it is. So here it is. They call her the princess of nepotism. Love it. <laughs> so the princess of nepotism and Joy Behar. Um they don't just fight on screen. Their battles off screen are legendary. And there was one recently where um, Joy really badly wanted to do a, a topic. And it was not a topic that would make making look good. And so she fought really hard to, um, to nix it. Including telling Joy that... A 77-year-old woman should not be on TV and should not be dictating what is talked about when she knows what the quote-unquote audience wants to hear. 
And Joy not so politely reminded her that not only is she an OG co-host, but the show would not be around without her. And here's where, um, because I know people are going to be defending Megan. No, just stop right in your tracks. There is no defending her. What Joy said is 100% accurate. The one season that Joy wasn't on the show was record low ratings. The ratings were so low that ABC Daytime and ABC News were looking for a replacement. The only reason The View didn't get canceled is because they could not come up with a new concept and they figured trying to reboot the show one one more time would not hurt. Part of that reboot was bringing Joy Behar back to the fold. Another thing that I think is really important to make note of here is Joy has said multiple times that when her contract ends, I believe she said next year, at the end of the next season, she's retiring, she's done. So it's not going to be a huge surprise when she ends up leaving. Um, but, so Joy and Megan have been battling. And producers are on Joy's side, which really peeves Megan off. Megan has threatened to quit, which obviously would make life easier for for the ABC executives who are trying to get rid of her as it is. But if she quits, she doesn't get that sweet, sweet severance that she so wants. Um, and this is breaking. Um, it just came in. I just got, I didn't even run this by Will yet. Um, so I'm going to have to let him know that I got this from our source. Megan is talking about after leaving The View, and I'm reading this word for word right from the message from my source. Megan said today that when she leaves, not if she leaves, when she leaves The View, she is going to move away from television and into politics. Her main goal is to reclaim her father's Senate seat. She won't be able to do it in this election, but she believes that in the very near future, um, by at least 2026, she will be able to reclaim her father's seat and eventually become Senate House, uh, Senate, Senate and Majority Leader. So this is breaking news, y'all. <laughs> Megan McCain wants to become a Senator McCain. And just when you thought 2020 couldn't get any wilder, this shit goes and happens. <laughs> Obviously, this is a breaking. Uh, that part of it is breaking. Um, I'm going to work with my source to get more information um, if she even has any more, and I will bring it to you as soon as I have anything else. Um, 
but yeah, so um, it's just a matter of time now before Megan leaves the view, whether she's fired or leaves voluntarily. Um, and Joy, Joy's head must have exploded when she heard about the new political ambitions for Megan McCain. Um, I know my head did. So much so, I have to take a break, and I'll be right back. And I'm back. And the third political segment that I was approved to do, uh, mostly because um, this falls way outside of Will's wheelhouse, and somehow firmly into mine, um, Kanye West. Now, I want to start this off by saying, we told you two weeks ago, our source told us that this was not a real presidential candidacy, and uh, that it was to support an album. We have the album's title now, it's God's Country, Um, and while he seems to be... Um, going back and forth on whether or not he's actually running. Um, and what I mean by that is, first, Joel Olstein was going to be his running mate. And then, more recently, he wanted Jay-Z to be his running mate. Uh, neither, neither one of those men have expressed an interest in politics. Um, at least... Not in the way of actually wanting to run for office. But things get a little weirder. So Kanye had a rally, for lack of a better word. (laughs) And at this rally, he had a breakdown and just started crying and um, saying that he wanted to divorce Kim. Uh, that Kim never loved him. And I mean, all of that is... It all tracks with what I've known. Uh, you know, I know you guys get sick of me talking about how I read the gossip blogs every night, but I do. And the narrative has always been the same. Kanye and Kim got married for their images. Um... Kanye had a boyfriend, and uh, his boyfriend was a fashion designer. Um, and eventually they broke up because the boyfriend didn't want to live a lie anymore. And actually wanted to be with his boyfriend. Now, um, the guys at blogs don't really talk about the kids. But we all truly believe that um, the kids are all his. Probably through in vitro fertilization. So, Kanye then took to Twitter, just like his buddy Trump. Um, However, unlike Trump, Kanye actually started spilling some really useful tea. Um, He said that Kushner is not allowed to see his kids alone. Uh... He started talking more about uh, the dissolution of his marriage to Kim. And I started talking to my source in L.A. 
trying to find out what was going on. So, here is what I found out for y'all. So, Kim, we all know Kim is very rich on her own. Um, she has uh, um, residuals from her sex tape coming in. Uh, residuals from the reality show. But a lot of her businesses don't make money. And Kanye uh, is makes a lot more than her thanks to his Yeezy brand. He's not been taking his meds. Now, I know a lot of you are going to be saying, well, duh. This next part, that part's not the significant part. I mean, it is, it's obviously the catalyst to... Um, but this is where it gets really deranged on the parts of the Kardashians. See, they don't, they don't necessarily want Kanye to get help. Instead, they just want him to hand over his money. So they want him to hand over the empire. And then he can fuck off. And... This all start the the downhill trajectory of the relationship started when Kanye bought a house in Wyoming and Kim promised that she was going to move there with him. And I know y'all are saying, well, I, you thought I just said that they're a fake couple. They are. But Kanye wanted to move the family out of Los Angeles, away from the celebrity because he wanted to focus on his mega church and recording music and figured that Kim would be more than able to fly back for uh, her shows but Kim is addicted to the paparazzi and the cameras and after even though she agreed to move to Wyoming with him she ended up rescinding and changing her mind her prerogative um, but that led to a lot of fights between them. And what was once a strong friendship has now turned into um, a, a very tense co-parenting situation. Since Kim is still his legal wife, she has every right to the fortune that he has amassed during their marriage. He wants them to leave his money alone, or he's threatened to tell tales out of school. Which, by the way, I just heard that phrase from our from my source, and I love it. I'm gonna use it all the time. Um, so, um, the the Twitter reveals and the reveal. On the stage, while not necessarily planned, played very well into um, what Kanye knows. And according to my source, he knows where all the bodies are buried. And there's a lot of stuff that Chris Jenner wants to keep under wraps. Um, and she's going to have to play ball with him if she doesn't want her own empire to start coming down around her. 
um, one of the things that um, that has been talked about a lot about in more recent days is the fact that Kylie Jenner may have forged tax documents to make herself look like a billionaire. Kind of like the guy in the White House. <laughs> uh, and just for the record, there's no doubt that Kylie Jenner is uber rich. Um, but it is very likely that she lied about how well sales of her makeup line was going in order to appear to be more successful than she was. Kanye knows this. Um, now, of course, there was a huge expose in Forbes about this, but Kanye apparently knows a lot more than what um, than what people think he does about that side of the business. Um, uh, about a lot of the relationships between the sisters. Um, about what happened with Rob and Black China. Uh, and he is willing to use whatever it is he has at his disposal to get what he wants. So, according to my source, um, the there was an episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians, I guess, where Chris Jenner talked about seeing Scott Disick's manhood. Uh, and according to our source... Kim told Kanye um, when it came to that episode Kim said that she saw him going going to the refrigerator in his boxers. That's not exactly accurate. Apparently Kim, um, Chris was sleeping with him uh, and he was sleeping with Courtney at the same time. So there you go. Um there is some juicy stuff for you. Alright. That's going to do it for me for tonight. Thank you all so much for listening as always. Uh, Will is coming up with Paula Talk next. And until next time we talk. Cheers. Hey folks, welcome back to Paula Talk. I finally got the energy to record one of these on time. So, you'll be getting a double dose of my dulcet tones in awfully short order this week. But that is enough of that. It is on to the news. We have a little more information about Trump's police force that he has deployed to the city of Portland this week. The force is comprised of a number of different officers from agencies under the Department of Homeland Security, but do not answer to one agency of themselves, instead answering directly to the acting Homeland Security Director Chad Wolf who went out to Portland this weekend to direct operations on the ground. Officially, the force's mandate is to protect federal buildings in Portland from protesters. However, as many have already seen, the officers have been undergoing police actions, making arrests, and generally dragging people away in unmarked vehicles using methods of questionable legality. As I mentioned in last episode, Trump has already declared his intent to deploy similar forces to other cities governed by liberal Democrats, his words. Between our last session on Sunday and now, he targeted Chicago 
as the next destination for his forces, claiming that they would be there to help break up the drug trade. Based on what happened in Portland, with uh, violent crime spiking after the arrival of the federal force when it had been down the previous month, we can expect the situation in Chicago to deteriorate rapidly as well. Joe Biden has chosen to let Trump dig his own grave on this one. The presidential candidate and former VP has released only one statement on the happenings in Portland, saying that Trump is making things worse and condemning his deployment of federal officers. Biden has instead focused on talking up his economic repair plan, which involves a significant new public works program, a vast expansion of jobs in child care and elder care, and $775 billion to pay for it. Biden is, in effect, trying to new deal his way out of the economic collapse caused by the coronavirus. Speaking of the coronavirus, Trump has finally acknowledged its severity, coming on stage in a recent press conference to say that masks work and you should wear them, and that the situation regarding the pandemic in the U.S. would likely get worse before it got better. While no members of the Department of Health and Human Services or the CDC were on stage at the press conference to add their own thoughts, and the coronavirus task force apparently remains sidelined, having not given a briefing in months, Trump's statements were basically in line with all those agencies and his task force recommendations. However, he did not mention the fact that his task force has recommended a number of states, including Florida and Texas and Arizona, go into full lockdown to combat the coronavirus. And he has not apologized or attempted to rescind his attacks on Dr. Fauci. In an additional instance of Trump putting his foot on his mouth, the other day he wished Ghislaine Maxwell, assistant to noted pedophile Jeffrey Epstein and likely serial abuser herself, would have a good time in jail. Significant paraphrasing by me, the actual content of the message read much more like an actual well-wishing than an ironic one. So, obviously people have a lot of theories about that. Many observers have said that he's just trying to get on her good side as much as possible so that she doesn't bring him down when she talks to the prosecution to save herself. Here's hoping she does get to talk to the prosecution, or failing that, that the measures she took to ensure the names became public in the event of her death, actually are real and do go through. I'm about ready to see some of these people go down. And that is all for this week's Politalk. Thank you all very much for listening. Tune in next week for new more news about our goddamn government. Thank you. Thanks again, everybody. Cheers.